Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Mike Weisand. Uh, Chief Scientist at Rio Grande Neurosciences. Mike, how you doing? Doing great. How about you? Good. Yeah, thanks for coming. So if you would, um, can you let guests know what Rio Grande Neurosciences does? What's your main mission and what projects are you working on? Right. So Rio Grande Neuroscience is a non-invasive brain stimulation company that has three different technologies. The first technology is something called PEMF or Pulse electromagnetic field therapy, and it's approved for, it's FDA approved for um, pain and edema, uh, especially post-surgically. And then um, we have TMS, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is FDA cleared for um, depression. And then we have electrical brain stimulation. Electrical brain stimulation doesn't have a an FDA clearance yet. It's still experimental, but it has uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 publications over the last five years, indicating that it can um, enhance cognition, uh, enhance recovery from uh, brain disorders like stroke, uh, has some positive effects in dementia, and very likely uh, will have effects in uh, depression as well. Very interesting. Um have any of your work or other people's work looked at um, the long-term effects of these kind of treatments over years or decades? Uh, the short answer is no. I mean, there are some longer-term studies where you have people who have used uh, the tech for weeks and weeks at a time and uh, no lasting effects. And I'm a I'm a decent case study because I zap myself pretty frequently to test new paradigms. Um, and or electrode configurations uh, or or new technologies, and uh, I'm doing all right. So, and I've been doing that since uh, 2007. So, wow. I, I, yeah, I want to. It might be interesting to contrast this first against bad therapies. You know, maybe like electric shock therapy, or you know, people that literally fried their brains. Um, just just in stark contrast contrast to the bad stuff. Have you heard of any uh, therapies or, uh, you know, so, treatments, I would say, whether willing or not, that have hurt people? So there's a couple of things to say as far as uh, negative effects. So number one, you can do stupid things with electricity, even the low amounts of electricity that we use at Rio Grande, and burn yourself. And I'm uh, living proof of that. I have scars on my arms where I've tested uh, new types of electrodes that were dumb ideas and burned myself or uh, tried new kinds of wrapping, new ways to wrap electrodes or new kinds of um, contact media and burn myself. So you can do stupid things with electricity, even with something very small like the two milliamps that we use here. Now, if you scale that up, to something like uh, ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy. Uh, in that, they're using many, many milliamps 
And in the many, many milliamps version, you do get uh, effects of the skin and you do get um, changes in the psychiatric symptoms, which people seek out, but you also get some uh, damage to memory and uh, which is, uh, you know, unfortunate, but it's also part of the side effects of that kind of therapy. Okay. Well, very good. Um, maybe we could first talk about depression. You said TMS seems to help depression and um, the electrical stimulation, which is not FDA approved yet, but that also seems to help. How much of an improvement are people experiencing and for what kinds of depression? Can you give a few details on it? So typically it's medically refractory uh, depression for which the TMS has been tried. So medically refractory depression simply means that people have been on an antidepressant drug and that drug has not had the desired effect. Uh, their depression has not remitted. And so in that case, uh, people can try the a secondary therapy. And right now it's a secondary therapy of transcranial magnetic stimulation, where you pass a magnetic field through the skull in order to induce electric currents in the underlying brain tissue. And for some people, this uh, works beautifully. Now, if I told, if I, I'd have to go look it up in order to tell you what the uh, remission in symptoms is in comparison to uh, drugs. Um, however, this therapy typically uh, is effective when used uh, for uh, three treatments a week or four to six weeks. And what does it feel like when you get the therapy? You know, when you're sitting there, are you awake or asleep? And what do you experience? Uh, with TMS, you are typically awake and you sit in a chair and there's a tingling sensation at your scalp. Uh, and at the, and sometimes it's like a, and it sounds like a click. And then, uh, but you don't have any tremors or any shakes or anything like that. It's simply a, a magnetic, little magnetic pulse that uh, induces some electric current in your brain. And then, um, with TD, with TDCS or electrical brain, one which is one type of electrical brain stimulation, what you feel is a tingling at the scalp, and people generally uh, talk about immediate effects like um, the uh, room seeming brighter or being able to um, concentrate more effectively um, immediately following the treatment. And um. Okay, so there are some immediate, immediate effects for some people. Um, mm -hmm. Why do you think this affects people's depression? Well, ultimately, um, ultimately, we don't know a ton about what causes major depression. We have a good catalog of symptoms, right? One of those catalog of symptoms is that there are changes in the neurotransmitters uh, that communicate between brain cells, especially in the frontal lobes of people with uh, clinical depression. So when you do TMS or when you do uh, electrical brain st stimulation, we know that one of the effects that, that those two types of uh, stimulation have is to change neurotransmitter uh, release. So in the big picture, while this is a little bit of a hand-wavy uh, explanation, what we think is you have uh, lower neurotransmitter turnover between brain cells, and when we add either magnetic or electrical energy 
we can enhance that neurotransmitter turnover such that it um, has a positive effect on the behavioral symptoms of depression. It's a lot like a drug because drugs do the same thing, right? Drugs uh, change the way neurotransmitters function in your brain. But it but it's just uh, comes without lots of the other side effects. Uh, so one of the side effects of uh, some of the uh, serotonin drugs is reduced sexual function, right? Where the... Like SSRIs? That's right. And uh, the TMS, TV ed, or TDCS doesn't carry those functions, so or doesn't carry that, that side effect. The other thing is that when you take a drug, when you take an SSRI, there's as much in your elbow as there is in your brain, right? And so there are times when this has costs for your liver function or for your um, heart function or for your blood pressure, right? When uh, as part of the side effect profile of different drugs with DCS and TMS, what we're doing is we are targeting directly the organ that we think is dysfunction, uh, is not functioning uh, the way that we want it to, and not adding anything to your elbow, right? So your heart and your your liver and your lungs and kidneys, they all they don't have to deal with the effects of that drug that's added to the system. They can. Um, effectively be bypassed if we treat directly the brain via non-invasive stimulation. Any combined therapies where you do use a drug or something injected and the therapy? Uh, we have not done that. I believe it has been done where people who are on an SSRI um, or similar drug have also had TMS or TDCS but again, I would have to go look that up uh, in order to give you the right data. I don't have that right in front of me. I'm sorry. And you mentioned um, one or more of the treatments can improve cognitive function. Yeah. Can you talk about that? What are the effects and what treatment? So electrical brain stimulation, we've published some new material that we take the sti- we can discontinue the stimulation and hours later and even days later you are significantly better at the task than people who didn't get stimulated. The, there are also other, there are also papers that are in, uh, from colleagues of mine who have shown positive effects of electrical brain stimulation on multitasking, attention, vigilance, and wakefulness. Have you personally experienced any of the, um, have you tried this on yourself? Are you allowed to do that? Yeah, we just, I tried, I, I just took the, my hair's still a mess right now and I still have all kinds of goop in my hair because I just was, was just zapping myself right before this call. <laughs> I, I, uh, as part of the research project we're doing right now, we are examining EEG, uh, or recordings of elect, of the electrical activity of the brain and trying to learn from that where we should place electrodes in order to affect the pieces of tissue in the brain that generated the original signal, right? So electricity, right. just like water, um, takes always takes the path of least resistance. Okay, so uh, if we know where the electricity came out of the head, theoretically, although not uh, with specificity, but with but in in aggregate, if we 
stimulate at the same sites where the electricity with large is coming out of the head, we have some, the best chance of affecting the piece of brain uh, that where the signals came from. So as part of the study that we were have been doing here lately, we learned where those uh, where the biggest place where the biggest uh, potentials were, and then we just inverted them. And I just I just sat myself with that paradigm right before we right before we got on the phone. It's funny. So okay, and, so I'm, and I can tell you it. that it was I can tell you that it was incredibly calming. I mean, I really? I yeah. I mean, I was. I was uh, jonesing for a steak or a hamburger before I sat down, and after I was stimulated, I forgot I even wanted a steak or a hamburger. That's pretty funny. I've I've never experienced that before, but I mean, the brain works like a town where you know there are connections between different departments, and if you want to talk about the fire department, you go to one spot, and if you want to talk about the sanitation department, you go to a different spot, and that's kind of the the way that the brain works, right? So. If you want to affect cognition in one way, you try to stimulate one spot. And if you want to try to affect a different kind of cognition, you uh, put your electrodes in a different spot in order to get electricity to a new location. So what are some of the, um, you know, have you done focus sessions where you're trying to learn a new language and you did stimulation in a certain way? Or like, what have you explored in um, the realm of cognition or memory specifically? And what, what have you found? Right. So in our work, primarily, what we've looked at is the ability to learn to recognize visual images. All right. So um, I don't know if you know our, um, I don't know how much you know about our drone program, but the drone program basically takes all kinds of pictures all the time. And there's more information than any set of humans could ever look at. Okay. Uh, doing a good job of looking at those images is critical to doing a good job uh, and not making uh, mistakes that cost lives. So one of the things that we looked at was, can we teach people by using brain stimulation to recognize specific vehicles that might be viewed with a drone? And what we found was, if we embed those targets into realistic backgrounds, we can train people to uh, identify vehicles correctly twice as fast using stimulation as we can without. So essentially, we can cut training time significantly and still get uh, excellent outcome, or we can keep stimulation or we can keep the training paradigm the same and get better outcome. Uh, as far as training, than you would have gotten if you had not experienced stimulation during that training paradigm. Interesting. Okay. Any other um, uses in terms of cognition improvement, and and how much of an improvement are you talking about? How much of a reduction in training time, or how much better? Well, but in the in the experiments we did, it was half. We could cut training time in half. Wow, it's amazing. In other in other work we've done, we've seen effects that range between uh, 20 and, uh, I would say, between 20 and 200%, right? So 200% is cutting everything in half, but 100% is, or but, you know, 50% would be cutting things by a quarter. So, we, and it depends. Pretty amazing. Yeah, and it depends on how you set it up, right? So, 
if it's the case that you want um, a specific outcome, I think it's critical to for stimulation to be the last thing you do. Okay, what I and, I mean after <clears throat> after the training or before the training, it, after is better. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, if what you do first is you learn what the brain is doing through some careful neuroimaging, and then you do good, careful modeling to know where the currents travel when electrodes are placed on the head in this location. You can then match things up such that you put a, you put energy into your target system, and that will get you excellent outcome. However, if what you do is stimulation first, for example, I don't know where the brain activity of interest is, but I'm going to slap some electrodes on the frontal lobe and cross my fingers. And typically, you get a worse outcome or you get uh, a small effect. But if you put the work in to do oh, really? the... But if you put the work in to do the neuroimaging and the modeling first, and then in, and kind of engineer a solution to a problem, you get a better outcome than if you just uh, kind of guess where the electrodes go and try to figure out what actually happened after the experiment's done. So for different kinds of um, cognition, different areas of the brain light up, I've heard that. So you're saying that... Okay, it makes sense to put the electrodes specifically. Let's say someone's learning a language, and you know certain areas of the brain light up. The therapy really only works well or much better if you put them in those specific areas. That's exactly right. If you put the electrodes on the heads such that they put energy into your target system and as specifically as possible. Yeah. Right. I didn't realize it was so specific. Um, So have you worked in other areas? How about recalling memories? you know, maybe uh, old memories or, I, I guess you, you know, learn new things. What about memorization, recalling old memories, any other types of cognition you're interested in? Uh, well, right now we're doing memory and sleep. The details of that study are not public because it's funded by, um, it's funded by uh, DARPA, but so the details are not yet public, but, but I can tell you that we can, um, we can do a good job of, uh, getting effects on memory and as long as we carefully apply the engineering principles that we talked about before. The, uh, hmm. In terms of other cognitive things that we, are, uh, that we have worked on, we've worked on multitasking, we've worked on attention, we've worked on uh, uh, symptoms in schizophrenia. We've, and so... And just like we said before, if you uh, if you place electrodes carefully based on your knowledge about the brain, you get uh, meaningful effects. If you try to slap electrodes on and hope for the best, you might get an effect. You might not, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, one uh, one very I can give you an anecdote about one very interesting test we did. So we had a journalist in town, and there's this thing called the Mackworth clock test. Mackworth clock test is the most boring thing you can possibly do in my opinion. So what it does is it is a dot that travels around a screen at clock positions. So one, two, three, four, five, and once in a while skips one of those positions. And so you have to maintain your attention and push a button when uh, it skips a location. Right? It's called the Mackworth clock test. So 
our our friendly everyday reporter sat down and uh, did the uh, did this without stimulation and missed a bunch and said the task was so boring he couldn't stay awake. And then we hooked him up uh, and performed a procedure called TDCS, which is transcranial direct current stimulation, and he got a hundred percent, even though five minutes wow. before he couldn't fall, he couldn't keep awake. So it was a it was a really fun demonstration to see how that goes. Um, well, was he? Um, did he say that it was more interesting the task, or like what was his anecdotal? I'm sure he was surprised, but did he say, "Oh, it felt easier," or you know, it was still boring, but I was just somehow able to pay attention? Like, what were his remarks on it? Yeah, he his his uh, he thought he could pay attention better. Yeah, this was you can watch this online probably. This is Miles O'Brien who came into to the lab and Andy and McKinley and I, Andy McKinley from the Air Force, which is a he's a good colleague of mine and a super smart guy. He um, uh, he and I tested Miles O'Brien over in the laboratory doing a, a Mackworth clock test. Are you seeing variation in different people, men or women, uh, responding oh, no differently, doubt. or older people, or yes. So no doubt about that. Okay, so um, I heard women's brains are like very different from men's. My wife keeps telling me. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, in my opinion, it's not with the brain stimulation. It's not so much their brain; it's their skull. So, huh. in general, men have uh, thicker skulls than uh, females. You probably heard that from your wife too. <laughs> and, and uh anyway the and so i think that changes the way the electricity travels through uh at times and so you get um slightly different effects and i i dare i say i mean this is based this is anecdotal i don't have a, a good uh set of graphs for you on this but i think that in general the females experience the effects more robustly uh than males I would think then that older people would, because perhaps their skull thins out as they get older, you know? Well, one of the things with, uh, remember how we said that electricity always takes the path of least resistance. So uh, okay. right. older brains um, shrink and the fluid that is around your brain, that your brain's floating in all all the time, there's a greater volume of that along the outside of the brain in an older person than there are than there is in a younger person. And huh. so it may be the case that you get increased shunting of current in older folks and those and thus those older folks get a more broad distribution of current to areas we wouldn't normally expect given electrodes placed in that position. Oh, so I would expect that you're able to get less of an improvement or a result either way with the same um, protocol in older people. It might be, that might be the case that it, that you have uh, less, you're able to do your job less specifically in an older right. person than in a younger person. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating um, stuff. So uh, how commercialized is, is this technology? Can I call up, you know, I live in Austin, Texas. Can I look up places and go get the, the transcranial magnetic stimulation, you know, the, the FDA approved technology you have, can I go get it and pay for it? Or how do you get these procedures done? 
uh, they are fairly widely distributed, and the, I don't I don't know the medical community in Austin well enough to know where I would send you. But it is the case that in most major uh, U.S. cities, and even and even in some giant health systems like Kaiser Permanente in uh, the West Coast, you can go to a clinic uh, for depression or for um, other uh, for pain or uh, chronic pain and get treated with TMS in order to um, in order to try to alleviate your symptoms, especially when other uh, things have failed. Okay. So it is pretty commercialized and widespread. The TMS is, um, is I, I would guess there's a place in Austin you could go. It's in just about every major U.S. city. There's, a, uh, there's somebody that's set up a shop with some TMS units. Hmm. And the last technology you said is not yet FDA approved. It was what's the acronym for it? What's what does it mean? Uh, what the electrical brain stimulation or the PEMF? Yeah, you said the PEMF is uh, FDA approved, but the last the electrical stimulation. That's right. Electrical stimulation is not being used clinically anywhere that I'm aware of. Uh, there are pushes in that direction, but and there are a lot of people who are. Um, who are using it in laboratories, and, and we have equipment that you can use in the laboratory to um, to do your work. And we have a little bit of a different twist on the way that we think that you should do the way that we uh, go about this. So, in general, most of the equipment that you can use to do the electrical brain stimulation is uh, delivers either TDCS, which is a DC current. TACS, which is an alternating current, or TRNS, which is uh, random noise. And they have different uses depending on what you would like to, the results you would like to affect in the person um, that's experiencing the electrical brain stimulation. In the, um, the way that we have set up our equipment, though, is not to do any of those exclusively. You can do any of those. However, what our, our equipment is set up to do is to be able to build any arbitrary waveform you want and play it back in the same way you'd play back an MP3. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I've done with my uh, brain activity is to record it and then put it back onto the stimulator and play back my own brain activity to myself in the same locations from which it was recorded. And it's it's actually kind of an interesting experience, right? Did it recreate the feeling you had when you recorded the brain activity, if you were calm or, or excited no, or any of that stuff? I don't have that. I didn't carefully. This was a, uh, this was a, uh, a power nerds, you know, Saturday afternoon activities. So I wasn't carefully trying to quantify my, uh, the conditions under which it was recorded and the conditions under which it was played back and all that kind of stuff. I, mm -hmm. it was, this was more of a technical exercise at this point. Can I actually make it happen? And the okay. answer is yes, I can make it happen. And, uh, it's a, and it has a cognitive effect. The cognitive effect, uh, for me was, I was a little bit weird because I felt like I was a little out of context. It was almost like, um, it was almost like there was something a little bit anxiety producing. And I think it was, and my guess is that because I recorded the activity at a previous time and the context was all different now, that right. there was something familiar that 
was played back in an unfamiliar environment and there's some nebulous anxiety producing thing or it could and this could all be psychosomatic i mean it could also be the case that um nobody had ever tried this before so i was trying it and i was nervous about trying it you know so i mean until we sit down and do a careful set of studies and stop yeah. doing the anecdotal and uh kind of technical exercises all of this is you know all this could be for just a a waste of uh electrons for the moment oh sure but you know what you should do some suggestion is mm. you should sit down and think about like a delicious ice cream or something like that and record <laughs> it and then play it back and see if you have that craving or, yeah. you know, record yourself uh, being very calm and laying down and just relaxing and seeing if it relaxes you. And I mean, you could, you know, play it like that. And I could see in the future if this would ever get commercialized, you know, let's say famous meditators, they were able to reach a very Zen state. You could record their brain activity and then play it for other people. And maybe it would, relax them or, you know, I guess there's all kinds of potential ideas for it, you know? Right. So you could buy Steph Curry's, uh, brainwaves while he was shooting threes and see if, uh, that would make you better at shooting threes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess last, last couple of questions. Um, so what is the, um, the future goals of the company, you know, in the next year or couple of years, what do you think you guys will be able to accomplish? And get out, well, I think, perhaps commercially. I think that there's a couple of things on the horizon which are pretty exciting at the moment. So one is that our stimulator is now commercially available for the first time, and we are um, we are learning with the users, right? So, of course, we I can I you know I I helped come up with this idea, and so it all seems straightforward and completely sensible to me until. We put it in the hands of a new user and they're like, why would I do that? Or why didn't you think about this? And so fully fleshing out how to use the stimulator and the electrodes um, in a real-time closed loop, I think, will happen in the next uh, year to 18 months. Uh, real-time closed loop would mean something like uh, I, am I would measure your EEG and I would detect some event that happened in your brain and I would use that event as a trigger to play a specific kind of activity through the stimulator back into your brain. And so that stuff right is the stuff we're working on hard right now. And I think another um, development that would be a uh, that's coming along in the company and that would be something that we're pretty excited by at the moment is Instead of having really expensive electrodes that you uh, reuse and reuse and reuse and reuse, what we would like to do is get down to something that is very inexpensive and something that you could uh, would be disposable, right? And you could make it out of something like uh, PLA, which is biodegradable. PLA is just polylactic acid. So you, you could print a headset of electrodes for a specific application for a specific person, and then they put it in the composter when they're done instead of, you know, making a big, uh, filling up a landfill someplace. And I think that's something that I'm highly motivated to make happen and uh, make this stuff more accessible by making it less expensive and to make it uh, disposable to reduce the, the probability of transmitting a disease between patients 
and at the same time making it more uh, eco-friendly where we'll use all uh, disposable or uh, biodegradable materials. Right. Very interesting. Um, any other really ambitious or, uh, I don't know, maybe some of you would consider crazy or, uh, you know, almost unachievable goals that you guys have in the next few years? You know, I think if I had one unachievable goal that I would love to find some smart person to help me with right now, it would be to make an amplifier for EEG that has uh, sufficient dynamic range to record brain activity during stimulation. So when we record brain activity right now, we are recording in microvolts. But when we deliver stimulation, we're delivering a small number of amps, but tens of volts. So we are um, the dynamic So when we stimulate, we can't record the brain activity at the same time because the uh, that difference of a million in scale, right? So if there's somebody that know, is smart enough to make an amplifier that is robust to that signal, so instead of waiting until the amplifiers recover from this giant dose of electricity, and when I say giant dose, I mean relative to the signals they can record, right? Not uh, in term, not a giant dose of electricity like a lightning bolt, but relative to the amount of electricity they can record. Uh, if somebody can help me figure out how to make an amplifier that where that that signal is still visible, uh, the, where the brain signal is still visible during uh, stimulation, I would I would just love that. I think that that's nearly impossible. I don't know how you would do it. I can't even think of a way to do it. But I'm sure there's there's a lot of people out there a lot smarter than I am who could help. Okay. Well, very good. So, um, you know, last question is how can listeners get more information and start to interact with, you know, the company in whatever way they choose, either their corporations or individuals? What's the best way for yeah. them to find out more about you? Uh, they can always email me, right? So emailing me is pretty simple. That's Mike, M-I-K-E dot Weissend, W-E-I-S-E-N-D at Rio Grande Neurosciences.com and Rio Grande Neurosciences is all one word. The uh, and there are times when I get a little bogged down and I don't don't respond right away. However, uh, I respond to every email. So uh, it might it might be some you know early Saturday morning when I'm you know uh, sitting there with my um, or some early Saturday morning three weeks from the time you sent your email when I finally have time to slow down. And, drink my tea and eat my cereal, yeah. but I, w but I would get back, but I will get back to you if you send me an email. Yeah. We also have a website, which is realgroundedneurosciences.com. Okay. Well, very good. Thanks. Thanks Mike for taking the time and stimulating my brain and the brain of listeners. And uh, yeah, I appreciate <laughs> you coming. Yeah. Great. Thank you for your, thank you for inviting me and uh, please let me know when it comes out. You've been listening to almost here around the corner of future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.